Hey everybody, my name is John. I'm one of the leaders here at Trinity Church, and I'm excited to be joining you today via the internet. So if you're there in person or joining us online, I'm excited to be just studying the Bible with you today. So we are continuing our Hebrew series. If you were here with us last week, uh, you would have heard our message about fatherly correction was kind of the theme there. And then this week, uh, we're going to be digging into the next few verses that come after what we studied last week. And so specifically, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 17. And I really want to encourage you to turn there with me in your Bible, or if you have a phone or a computer you can use, you can find that online as well. And again, it's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 17. I'm going to begin by just reading the verses, and then I'll open us in a brief prayer. And then we're really going to dig into it and go just verse by verse to try to understand and grasp things at a little bit of a deeper level. So let's get started. The verses say, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Okay, let's pray. God, I pray that you would be with us this morning, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would just open our minds and, and soften our hearts, Lord, to hear your word, that we would just be touched and affected by your truth, Lord, that we read today. And Lord, that through all of this time, that we would just glorify you, that we would direct our attention and our gaze towards you, Lord, that you would be glorified and that uh, we would just worship you during this time. We just thank you for this day and this opportunity to, to do this and uh, just lead us and guide us in this time, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's get back to our, our verses here. So Hebrews chapter 12, and let's just pick up verse 14. It says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So personally, when, when I read a verse like this, I sometimes fall into a little bit of a trap, which is to um, look at it, read it, and be like, okay, that makes sense. That sounds like the type of thing that would be in the Bible. <laughs> and to just move on so quickly that I feel to kind of understand the verse and what it's communicating at a deeper level. So let's pause for a minute and see if we can understand what these verses are telling us at a deeper level. And it's helpful to know that the book of Hebrews, the entire book, not just the verses we're looking at today, the entire book is actually a letter. And it's a letter that was written by a Christian person and sent to a community of Christians. So you can think of that as a church. So somebody who is a Christian writes this letter and sends it off to a church who receives it. And we, of course, as a part of Trinity Church here together, we are connected to a church. We're all part of this church. Or if you're, you're new, welcome. You can kind of be, be with us studying today. So when we read this as, as a part of a church, I think we can read it and understand it in a very similar way to the original recipients. And in particular, the verses that we're looking at um, give some specific instructions, okay? And so the original church that would have read this, they're getting these instructions, and now we're reading this and we're getting these instructions, and I think that we can kind of understand it in a very similar way, even though uh, the, first, uh, the first people who received this letter received it a very, very long time ago, right? I think the same principles apply, and I think that's all kind of helpful context to frame what we're reading here. So let's read the verse again, and then we'll dig into it more. 
Verse 14 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So when I personally receive an instruction of any kind, I find it really helpful um, to have a little bit of like a roadmap, okay? To kind of understand, first of all, what the destination is, where we're trying to go, what the end result is, if you will. And then secondly, like, is there a particular path that we should take to get there? Like, what route do I take? So when we look at this, these verses, let's, let's try to break it down in that way because I think it'll be helpful. So first of all, where are we going? What is the destination? And then secondly, how do we get there? So I think when I was preparing uh, to, to study these verses with you, one story from the Bible came to mind that I think is really helpful as an example of um, the destination, in this case, the destination of peace and holiness. And it comes from the book of Matthew. So let's read it here. It's uh, actually from the Sermon on the Mount. And this is Jesus speaking. And it's Matthew chapter 5, um, verses 14 through 16. It says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay, so I think this is really helpful as a for us to kind of frame the destination or the end result of peace and holiness. And if we, let me put it in these terms. If we as, as Christian people live in a way that is holy and we live in a way that is peaceful with other other people then that's something that is going to um, be seen by other people it's going to be seen by other people and in doing that it's going to reflect the glory of god so there's a, a few things that kind of are related here but let me put it in these terms when we are living in peace and holiness we are glorifying god and as Christians, that's like one of the, the main things that we want to do. And so that alone is, I think, a great reason for us to strive for peace and holiness. But in addition to that, other people, as it suggests in these verses from Matthew, other people see that who are um, outside of, of Christianity, outside of the church, who are not followers of Jesus. They see that. And I think when somebody sees that, it sort of reflects a little bit of the nature of who God really is. So somebody who doesn't know God and doesn't know like who Jesus really is, by seeing Christians who are living in, in peace and holiness, who are living in a way that is, is um, reflecting the nature of God and the nature of Jesus, I think that helps other people understand better how great God is, <laughs> right? And that's, that's a really powerful and important thing because that can be something that um, changes people's hearts. That can be something that brings people to God who never would have known them otherwise. And so when we as Christians live in a place of peace and holiness, then that can be something that is a really powerful way to glorify God, which alone is, is awesome, but it can also be something that brings other people to, to closer to God, to a better understanding of who God is, and ultimately it can even bring them into uh, the family of God, bring them into uh, belief and faith in Jesus. And so these are really important things, and so that's a great destination. But how do we get there, right? Because I think we will all be probably very quick to acknowledge 
that uh, none of us are perfectly living in peace and holiness. I know I'm not living in perfect peace and holiness. And as humans, we, we, we make mistakes, right? We, we, none of us are perfect. Um, and none of us are living in perfect peace and holiness. And it's, it's basically, in, in some sense, impossible for us on our own to live this perfect picture of peace and holiness that Hebrews is talking about. Um, so how do we do it? How do we do it? At the end of the day, I think it comes down to Jesus, and it comes down to the greatest commandment. And, and you may have heard this, maybe not, but in the Bible, Jesus at, at one point says that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And I think that when we're striving for things like peace and holiness, that there are a lot of things that can go into that, practically speaking, like understanding appropriate conflict resolution, understanding what holiness is, and, and how to like live that out on a day-to-day -day standpoint. Those are all things that we um, can and should talk about. But fundamentally, if you boil it all down, the way for us to strive for peace and holiness is to redirect our focus in a way that we're putting God at the center of everything, that, that we're putting Jesus at the center of all that we do. And if we are, are putting our, our eyes and our gaze in everything on Jesus, and that if we're truly loving God with all of our heart, soul, and strength, that things like peace and holiness will naturally flow from that. They will naturally occur as a response to that um, relationship and that um, connection with being oriented towards Jesus. Because we can't, we can't do these types of things. We can't do peace and holiness by ourselves. But with Jesus and by directing ourselves towards him, uh, anything is possible. So let's continue on uh, going back to Hebrews. Let's continue on in verse 15. So we're now shifting gears a little bit. Shifting gears away from the, the peace and holiness conversation. And now we're talking about something that's a little bit different. And verse 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So at the beginning of this verse, where it says, See to it that no one, another way of phrasing this would be to basically say, Look out for one another. Look out for one another such that, and then it goes on to, to mention some, some specific things. But when it says, See to it that, that's basically a call to look out for each other, specifically meaning your, your fellow uh, Christians. So this is talking directly to Christians, telling them, look out for your fellow Christians, the people in your community, okay? And uh, then it, it, it continues on a little bit. But when, when I was in college, um, I had a, a friend who had grown up in the church and came from a Christian family. But while he was in college and... Uh, he, he basically started to question God. He had these big questions about um, God and, and whether or not it was something real, whether or not it was something uh, like worth living for. And so he had these big questions. And now, like, like afterwards, he, he kind of turned away from God. He, he turned away from, from the faith in Christianity and turned away from God. And um, In hindsight, <clears throat> in hindsight, I just really wish that I had been better prepared, that I had been perhaps bolder to help that friend see 
the true nature of God, to help him understand how real and powerful and good God really is. And when, when I read this verse, I, I kind of think about that. I think about, man, like, I, I don't want, I don't want people to, to fall away from God. Because when somebody who is in the, the church, who would consider themselves a Christian, turns away from the church and perhaps looks to other things, other religions, or simply just rejects God and, and the faith, that is, that can be a really painful thing. That can be a very sad thing because we know, especially if we really care for that person, we know that they are essentially turning their back on um, the number one most important thing in life. And that can be a really sad and painful thing to, to see that. And um, I think that's a, a little bit of the, the feeling or the essence of what this, this verse is talking about. And then it goes on, though. It goes on, and it says that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So not only is it a, a sad thing when we see somebody who um, fails to obtain the grace of God, as, as the verse says, or essentially turns away from God. So not only is that something that, that is uh, worth looking out for, but it goes on to point out that, hey, if you, if you have among you, if you have in your church or in your community somebody who does reject God, that can actually be really poisonous. And that can have a really... A significant negative impact on the community um, in, in a number of ways. It doesn't say the specific names here, but I, I think we can easily imagine them. This can be something that could potentially cause other people in the church to turn away from God. It could also be something that just causes a lot of dis division and disunity and strife and like personal conflict. And none of these are good things to have in a church. This makes it um, much more difficult to be living in that, that city on a hill um, sort of peaceful and, and holy relationship that we looked at in just one verse ago. It makes that very hard to do. And so in this verse, verse 15, I think we have several reasons for this, but it's really emphasizing the, the importance of looking out for those in our community to, make, uh, to do what we can to make sure that the people are not falling away from God. So let's carry on to verse 16 here. Um, in verse 16 is continuing the same like flow of thought from verse 15 of, of looking out for one another. So just to, to put that in, into context. Um, so now let's read. It says that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. So again, we're talking about um, looking out for the people in our community. And the first thing it mentions here is um, that people would not be sexually immoral. And I think it's really significant that in this list of just a couple of things that it specifically um, mentions sexual immorality as something that we need to help each other um, be free from, help each other avoid. And I think we know as people that sexual sin and, and sexual immorality, it can be something that is, is harmful to the people who are directly involved, but it can also be something that has an impact on uh families. It can have something, be something that has an impact on broader communities. And so it can have really significant impacts. And so as Christians, we have a calling to uh, keep an eye out for, for our, our brothers and sisters in the church, um, to look out for them. And if they're headed down a path that um, can lead to sexual immorality, that, that we would help them in an appropriate way to avoid that. Or if somebody is currently stuck in, in sexual sin, um, that we would help them get free of that. And 
we could do an entire sermon series on sexual immorality and, and being free from sexual sin and, and sexual purity. Um, and those are really important things to talk about. But we, have, we don't have time to, to go all the way into that today. And so I'll just leave that, um, leave that with those words that are already said of um, looking out for each other, that we would collectively be free from sexual sin. So that's the first point. And then the second thing it talks about here in the verse is um, that, that those in, in the church, those in the community would not be unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Okay, so now what is this talking about? This is, this is interesting. This is actually the, the author of Hebrews pulling an illustration from the Old Testament of the Bible. And uh, you may know some of these stories already, but just for anybody who doesn't, or as a refresher, there are these three characters in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they're essentially the, the forefathers of the nation of Israel. And so Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob is also called Israel. Okay, so these are the, the forefathers of, of Israel. And what you may not have known is that uh, Jacob, or Israel, actually had a brother, Esau. And significantly, Esau was actually the oldest son. And uh, at this time in culture, there was a very significant like birthright or blessing that would be given to the firstborn son. And so um, when it talks about this, when, when in the verse of Hebrews it says, unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. This is alluding to a story that occurs in, um, it's described in Genesis chapter 25. And if you want to read more about it, I encourage you to do that later. Um, but basically, I'll just give you the nutshell of the story. Um, Jacob is cooking a pot of stew, and then in comes Esau from doing some sort of rigorous outdoor activity. I can't remember exactly what he was doing, but he comes in and he's just really hungry. And Esau says to Jacob, hey, Jacob, you got to give me some of your stew. And Jacob says to Esau, um, I, will, I will give you some stew if you sell me your birthright. Okay? And Esau agrees to this. He sells his birthright for a single meal, a single, like, portion of stew, basically. And I love stew as much as the next guy. You, you probably won't meet anybody who loves stew more than I do. <laughs> but uh, this, even I recognize that this is something that's very foolish. To, to trade something as significant as a, a blessing or your birthright for a single meal. And in the story, if you read it in Genesis, you realize that not only is he doing something that seems kind of foolish, he's also kind of forsaking the value of the birthright. He's essentially like not giving it the respect and the value that it deserves. And the parallel here in Hebrews, when, when we read this, this Hebrews verse, where it says, Un, don't be unholy like Esau, um, who sold it, or, or make sure that your brothers and sisters are not unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. When it says this, the parallel for us when we read this as Christians is um, when anybody rejects the birthright or the inheritance that we have through Jesus for anything in the world, whether it be a pot of stew or something seemingly more important, anything in the world is inconsequential, like a, like a bowl of stew, compared to the eternal and wonderful gift of the inheritance that we have as children of God through Jesus. And so that's the parallel. That's the parallel. 
And so just to kind of summarize verses 15 and 16 here, it's calling us to look out for one another, for our brothers and sisters, the people in our community of the church, that they would not fall away from God, that they would not reject God, that they would not be um, enslaved to, to sexual immorality. And finally, again, it, it sort of re-emphasizes this idea that we don't want anybody to reject the inheritance and the blessing that is available through Jesus. So in a nutshell, I think that's what these verses are saying. So let's read verse 17 here. Verse 17 is, is pretty interesting. It says, For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. And this is talking about Esau, uh, still talking about Esau. Um, let me start from the beginning. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. This verse, I think, is a little bit tricky if you just read it uh, as is in this translation. And I was actually a little bit unsure about it, a little bit confused by it. And so I read, um, I have an ESV study Bible, which is a really great resource that has some additional like analysis and description of, of verses throughout the Bible. And um, what it said about this verse, which I think is really helpful to know, is that um, what the author of Hebrews probably meant is that Esau... Um, desired the blessing, but did not truly repent. Um, otherwise, as it says in, in the, the study Bible resource, otherwise he, he would have been forgiven. Um, and, and I want to make this, this really clear because um, I don't want anybody to leave today thinking that um, if they repent and turn towards God, that they won't be forgiven because that's not the case at all. And um, if you look at the, some of the supporting evidence that the, the resource that I read in the, the study Bible gave is that if you look at the body of proof of the Bible, you can see that everybody who like, tur turns away from Jesus and anybody in any situation who may have turned away or, or denied Jesus, if they repent and they go back to Jesus genuinely and sincerely, they're always forgiven. So an example of this that it gave in the resource is Peter. Peter, I think, is the perfect example. Peter denied and rejected Jesus three times immediately before Jesus was crucified, but then Peter was heartbroken. He repented, he, he went back to Jesus, he asked for forgiveness, and he was forgiven. Also, Paul, I think, is another example. Paul, before he became an apostle, he was actually somebody who basically made it his personal mission to persecute and sometimes even kill uh, Christians. And even though that was the case, even though that was like his personal mission in life, Jesus appeared to him and Paul repented. Paul asked for forgiveness and he was forgiven. And he goes on to become this one of the most influential apostles and uh, preachers in, in the Bible. And so I think these are just two of many examples of times that the people even though they may have rejected God, repented genuinely, and then they were forgiven. And so in these verses in Hebrews, I think sort of the, the summary point here is that we should look out for each other and that we would um, help our, the people in our community avoid making the mistake of rejecting God, avoid making the mistake of rejecting God. And if anybody has rejected God or if anybody is in sin, that they can still be forgiven. This is the point that I, I want to make, <clears throat> that they can still be forgiven. They can still be brought 
into the family of God. They, they can still receive the blessing and the birthright if they truly repent and they turn to Jesus and they accept his forgiveness and they give their lives and their devotion to him. And so I want to invite the, the worship team to come up um, and we'll, we'll close here in worship. But I want to close with, with two thoughts. First, if you are a Christian, if you consider yourself a Christian or, or part of a church or Trinity Church specifically, and you have in some way, whether it's through sin or just through um, your focus and the, the things that you think about and spend your time on, if you feel that you've kind of turned away from God, that you've veered off path, if you will, I want to encourage you that all you need to do is redirect yourself towards Jesus, deny that sin, and ask for Jesus' forgiveness, and you will be washed clean, right? You will have the forgiveness of Jesus. Just direct yourself to him. And the great thing as Christians is this is something we can continuously celebrate. We can continuously celebrate the inheritance that we have through Jesus. And in, in the Bible, sometimes it even calls Christians the children of God. And so we have a place in this community, this family of God, and it is eternal. And we can forever in, in eternity celebrate and praise Jesus for the grace of God um, and, and the grace that we have through Jesus. If you, the second thing that I want to say is if you do not consider yourself a Christian, if you don't consider yourself a part of a church, or if you're not really sure what you think about all of this, um, but you find this message of Jesus to be, um, to, to be really resonating with you and you are curious and you want to learn more, then I want to encourage you by this. It does not matter what your background is. It does not matter what sort of bad or terrible things you may have in your past. None of that matters because Jesus, who was with God in heaven and then came to earth, he was both fully God and fully man at the same time. He's the only person ever to live a perfect human life. He took on the sin of all people, all of basically the, the sentence of all of the crimes that we've ever done as people, individually and collectively. He took on, and he was wrongfully convicted and killed, but then he rose again. He defeated death. He defeated all of our sins so that we can all be forgiven, no matter what's in our past. We can all be forgiven and given a completely clean slate. We can be brand new in Jesus, and through Jesus, we can be brought into this eternal family. We can be children of God and have part in this eternal blessing that comes from God the Father. All of that is available through Jesus. And if you want to take a step to learn more about this, then I encourage you to take, take this step. You can text the number 94000. And when you do that, it's an automated text message system that our church uses. Um, text the number 94000 and, and send it the word enjoy. Just enjoy. And it will reply to you with a list of options, of steps you can take. And then just reply back to that message with the number that is associated with the step of um, taking a step to, to become a follower of Jesus. So find that step and text back the number and somebody with our church will um, help you figure out what to do next. And um, I really want to encourage you to, to take that step, even if you're on this fence and you're not sure, because the, the gift that you can have in Jesus is truly beyond anything else that you can find in this life. So with that, I'm just going to close in a brief word of prayer, and we're going to continue on in worship. God, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the grace that we have in you. 
We thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. We thank you that we don't have to live perfectly and, and that you, Lord, you make a way for us to be part of your family and part of your community, even though we are perfect, Lord. That through you, we can just continuously be glorifying God the Father, that we can continuously be in celebration and in a place of, of joy that only comes through God. And Jesus, I just pray that you would bless uh, the rest of our, our worship here together this morning um, and that it would just be a sweet time together glorifying and praising you. In Jesus' name, amen.